Hey guys, what is up? It is Raul here today, and today I'd like to talk about my guest on the show. Today's guest on the show is Peter Flynn. Peter Flynn is one of the directors and the owners of PhysioFit Adelaide, which is a PhysioFit, uh, PhysioFit. It is a physiotherapy business located here in Adelaide, South Australia. They have two clinics. Uh, they service people with physiotherapy, podiatry, and also massage therapy. So if you have any sort of aches and pains, I would highly recommend to go check them out. If you'd like to follow them online, you can do so at physio underscore fit underscore Adelaide. They've got a pretty cool page on Instagram that has a lot of helpful tips. So if you're after different uh, tips to, with your, to help you with your aches and pains, definitely go check them out. They produce a lot of good online content. Now, today's podcast is mostly focused on resilience regarding uh, entrepreneurship in these kind of, um, you know, uncertain times of COVID. I think this is a topic that is really relevant to a lot of uh, different business owners who are maneuvering themselves through this, these crazy times of the pandemic. So uh, if this is something that interests you, then this might be the podcast for you. Like always, crew, thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and give it a good review. And I will hopefully bring a lot more of these podcasts over to you. Anyway, take care and peace. Hey guys, what is up? It is Raul here today coming to you with the Better You Project. Today on the laptop, it's also in video, Peter. Um, we've got Peter. How are you going today, man? Good, thanks, mate. Doing well, thank you. Thanks for having us. It's all, it's all good. Um it's a crazy time right now. We are amidst the lockdown in a pandemic here in Adelaide. Um, and uh, I thought it'd be a great time to kind of have you on to talk about resiliency um, and just building that sort of like uh, mental fortitude that people need in business, uh, which is definitely getting tested um, in the pandemic. So Peter, just maybe let's start off the podcast by just you telling me about like, what was the biggest challenge that you guys had last lockdown? You obviously own a physio clinic. Let's go from there. When you mean last lockdown, you, you don't mean this little one we've just had. No, now. I mean this little one, the, the one before, the big one, yeah. The first one for us wasn't super lockdown, right? Like we didn't shut as a as a business. So we, we were allied health. We were still open. We were still helping people. We did see a decrease. Like we had a 50% decrease, I think, in, uh, in overall sort of volume of people coming through the clinic uh, for about one, one and a half months. So that, that obviously hits you quite hard and it's kind of scary when you're like, oh, I've got all these wages, I've got all these people I'm paying, you've got your rents and landlords aren't always uh, too forgiving. Uh, we had one that was really good and one that was challenging, you could say. Um, so the biggest challenge I think really was just probably just consumer confidence. Uh, the team were really upbeat, the team were really on board uh, with helping people and continuing to improve our hygiene standards and make sure that we were like we were right at the top there like we were doing things well and we had all the things in place to make it as safe as possible um, but I would definitely say consumer confidence for us like people feeling confident to come in to go outside when there's a scary virus out there that we didn't know much about at the time but also thinking like well if they've lost their job or they're not sure what's going to happen there's that uncertainty they're less likely to want to spend money, which is fair enough. I would be less likely too, which means if less people are spending, less people are going to businesses, and as a result, businesses are having to decrease hours, decrease manpower, um, and it's just that vicious sort of cycle there in the economy. So I'd say consumer confidence. And what what sort of strategies did you guys, uh, or have you guys tried to increase that consumer confidence past that first lockdown? 
I think part of it is the safety, right? Part of it's like being really proactive with your communication about how you are keeping people safe when they come in. Like, what are your standards? And then just making sure that they're glaringly obvious, you know? So when someone comes into the business, if you've got cleaning throughout the day, then make sure that cleaning's happening. When Don't just wait for people to not be there. If it happens at 3 p.m. and there's heaps of people there, cool. People can watch you clean. They can actually see that you're doing these things. That that helps with confidence around the safety sort of aspect and also just making sure you're not doing dumb shit. Uh, You are keeping people safe. You do have things that are 1.5 metres apart. All those little things, they do add up and they give people more confidence. And then the other side of it, which is the economic side of it, um, for people who lost their job during the pandemic, we offered them 50% off all, all of their appointments. So if you're a customer with us previously, a client of ours, and you lost your job, we still want to help you and we'll, we'll do it half price for you. That's what we did through that time. And then the people who were still in work, and there are plenty of people who were you know, working for the government or in healthcare, essential workers, etc. that they were busier than ever. In fact, they were doing overtimes. Financially, it wasn't an issue for them. Um, so I think we just had to find that balance of helping the people who were struggling and making the business still run, uh, but then also maybe looking for the people who weren't financially affected. Yeah. Now I know that you, one of the guy, one of the ways that you guys tried to, um, I guess, adjust to the pandemic. Well, let's let's go with that. What did you guys have to do to try and adjust to the pandemic when it first kind of broke up? We initially thought, well, why don't we go to telehealth? Because telehealth is it's online physiotherapy. Let's try and move to that because a lot of the benefits from physiotherapy come from making someone feel safe, like really listening to their story, understanding, you know, where their pain has come from and really just getting a feel for that person, what their beliefs are, and how we can start to guide them through a rehab program. So that was that's the premise of online physiotherapy. Now, the issue is the fact that with online physiotherapy, we, we hadn't really done it before, and so people weren't ready for it. And because people weren't ready for it, we suddenly said, hey, look, you don't have to come into the clinic. It's actually all cool, we can do this online. And people, in their head, they're like, well, why have you never done this before then? Yeah. So it just seemed like a knee-jerk reaction to them that we suddenly said, hey, we can do this, this is really cool. And so people weren't ready for it. Like, realistically, we can do it, we can very effectively treat people, but people still think of physio as a glorified massage therapist, right? And so when they come in, they want you to rub something, and it's going to make them feel better. We understand that, but it's not all that happens in there. And there's a lot of the other things which, which can be done online. So we made a big shift to online consultations, and it was an epic failure because the people just weren't ready, and many people found this as well. Um, so moving forward, like our learning was you can't just knee-jerk change a business on someone without them really understanding. You know, We would have needed many months of education and helping people to see the benefits and it to become more of a normal sort of thing. And then at the same time, you would need private health insurance to jump on board, and it took them about three months to get on board. So people were kind of like, well, I could do online physio, but my private health insurance doesn't even recognize it as real physio, so should I recognize that as real physio? Probably not. Kind of thing. Oh, wow. So okay. We yeah. Going uphill against a few challenges there. Uh, so I'd say it was extremely unsuccessful, that part of it. Uh, so we just refocused on being in clinic, maintaining hygiene standards, and making people feel safe. And um, how has that changed over time? Have people grown towards it at all or not? No, to, to be honest, we just put that in the bin. Um, sometimes you just got to know when to quit, right? Yeah. I think yeah. in future, I think in 10, 15 years, when people want pure convenience and we're in, we're in a much more digital age and people are more aware of 
how physiotherapy and how rehab actually works a little bit more and there's less reliance on some of the passive parts of physiotherapy um, and as long as you build up that narrative and, and help to show people then I think you absolutely could do it but for now we've decided you know what's our core business what are we really good at what do people want because uh, we can create this amazing product but if no one wants it it's pretty useless yeah, yeah of course um how much of the misunderstanding do you still think there is in the community about like what a, a physiotherapist's role actually is? I think a better question uh, would be how much misunderstanding is there in the physiotherapy community about what a physiotherapist okay, actually yeah. is. Okay, yes. Because to be honest, there's there's not a great consensus. Um, there's a, a lot of a lot of people who there's a lot of different ways of being a physio, right? And I'm not saying that there's a right and a wrong, but if you went to see one physio, you might get them put a heat pack and ultrasound on you. If you go to another physio, they might stick some needles in you and leave the room and go treat someone else. And if you go to another physio, they might do some exercise and no hands up. Like there's a lot of different things happening in physiotherapy at the moment. So I think it's really hard for the general public to have a consensus on what physio is, but I don't think physio has a consensus on what physio is yet. Um, and we are improving over time. Like we're learning like, hey, don't bother with the ultrasound. It's shit, it does nothing. Evidence says it doesn't work. Cool, don't put needles in someone, go walk in the other room. The needles might do a little bit, but you lose all that that confidence of that person in you that you're not even listening to them, you're not spending time with them. And we know the time you spend with someone listening to them and their story plays a large role in pain relief. Probably larger so than the needles in the passive therapy itself. If, if someone makes you feel calm, safe, like you're in a supportive environment, you feel better straight away. You know, and that's a lot of what our job is. Um, so, so for me, like I, I would love to see physios start to question more how they know what they know, rather than just accepting this is what I got taught, so I do this. Like, well, this is what I got taught, but is this the best way to do it? What's the best evidence, right? And how do we look at, you know, what's the patient preference? Because we have to meet that what's the best evidence and what's my experience and sort of mold those together. Um, so it's a long-winded answer to that, but yes, um, physio first, I think, needs to define what physio is before the public can have any chance of getting it. Okay, so this this brings me really like an interesting question, which is, because um, I, I think this happens in the fitness world a lot. There's obviously what the, cons which, which is it still happens, there's what the consumer wants versus what a trainer wants to give in. Uh, I think in the fitness world, it's still very much so, you know, you'll see it in marketing and in the sort of words that we have to use. M most trainers hate these words, but, you know, we still have to market things as people getting toned. You know, we still have to use challenges to try and get people in. Um, there's the consumer still very much so dictates like the almost the practice of what is um, being done for fitness. To what degree does that happen in physio? Because I, I know exactly yeah. what you mean, because as, yeah. as having you as a friend for so many years, like, yeah. and, you know, having so many other physios as friends, like I've had the privilege of being pretty well educated on a lot of these things, but like, I know what a lot of my clients are like, and, you know, if they almost like the physio that just touches them the most kind of thing, you know, like, just because they feel like, oh, they did something. And, you know, sometimes I'll just maybe ask them to question like, or oh, what do they actually do? Or do you actually think that worked? You know, like, yeah. you know, you'll make them question like, you know, maybe let's look at like why you hurt yourself in the first place. Um, but people just, they just, they want to get what they think they need versus actually what they might actually need. 
Yeah, I, I think there's a few parts to that question. So I'll start at the start. Um, firstly, yes, we do have to market to people where they are right now. And we have to make sure that we are marketing to someone's understanding. Now, we know that pain is an output from the brain and that it, in most pain responses and pain cases, tissue damage plays a very small part, very, very small part, right? So when you imagine you get a paper cut, it's the most painful thing ever. It's bloody, it's horrible, right? You can break a bone and you, you hardly feel it. Right? The difference, that the, what we've found through the research is that tissue damage doesn't correlate well to pain, right? We just assume the more damage, the more pain, right? But it doesn't explain. Like I stubbed my, to my toe the other day, the toenail came off. Now I thought I was going to die, uh, and I still might. <laughs> it was bleeding a lot, and I was in a real soup for at least a solid three or four hours. And and if you have me on Instagram, you got lots of photos of it. So I hope you enjoyed all the blood and shit. But essentially, tissue damage doesn't correlate very well. And so if I'm out there going and, and talking to people, saying, look, technically a lot of the pain it's an output from your brain, and most of the time when we get injured, it's less to do with the, the little event, like oh, I bent over to pick up my, I've had a powerlifter, the deadlift's 300, bends over to pick up his drink bottle, his back just went. Your back didn't go, where did it go? There, there's nothing that happened when you picked over, bent over to pick up the drink bottle, right? It's everything that led up to that. So if we look at your stress, your sleep, what's happening in your life, uh, the fight you had with your partner the night before plays a larger role than you picking over to bend up. And all these other things play into um, this pain perception that we get. Uh, being sick, um, if you think of when you have the flu, you get this immune response. And as part of that immune response, all your old aches and pains seem to come back. And everyone can relate to that. And it's not that the aches and pains or there's any change in the structure. It's that this immune response has triggered this pain response from you as well. We don't fully understand a lot of these things, but we do know that pain's an output from the brain and that all these other lifestyle factors are way more important, including smoking. Smoking is one of the biggest ones. Way more important than actually the incident where it happened. But as humans, we need we need a cause. We need to know it happened here, exactly here. Now, it's hard to market that. Because no one's going to come and see us. They're going to be like, this guy's a bloody fruit loop. If I'm telling them the real evidence, they're not going to believe me. But what I can do is I can talk about that disc, you know, their blown out disc or their shoulder bursitis. Now, we know shoulder bursitis is, is, is a stupid term, right? And in fact, when the bursa gets inflamed and it thickens, it's actually a good thing, not a bad thing. So when you see that on the scan, it's actually a response that's essentially it's like a callus. Your, your bursa becomes like a callus and it thickens. And we know that it's a good response, right? But I also know that you think it's a bad response. And so I'm going to market to that. Because when you come in, I can then start to educate you and take on the right path. So we just have to meet people where they are. Uh, which brings me to my next point is too many physios, and this was myself for a long time, become sort of like a, a, a yes, actually person. Uh, and what that means is that when, when you come in and you've got this poor belief about pain or like a blowing my disc and I'm never going to be able to do this again or the doctor said I've got degeneration and that means I'm going to have back pain. We know that degeneration and back pain, there's almost no link. If you have terrible degeneration, I wouldn't be able to tell whether you're going to have back pain or not. I just can't tell. right? And you can live a perfectly pain-free life and you can also have a perfect scan for your back pain and have a horribly painful time. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's no correlation there. So it's just getting therapists to move away from like just correcting and educating people straight away to their own beliefs uh, and more instead trying to learn about the person in front of them 
and be a learner and understand why the person believes the things that they do. Where did these beliefs come from? And rather than challenging that person, can they try and understand that person and then over a period of time start to maybe, like you said, plant seeds of doubt, ask questions rather than going, no, you're wrong, because the person goes, I don't like this guy. He tells me I'm wrong straight up. Um, pain's kind of like a religion, right? You don't tell people that religion's wrong. Even if you're an atheist and you're like, science says that's wrong, essentially here we say science says your belief is wrong, so I'm going to tell you what's wrong. Uh, and it really puts a lot of people on, the, on a bad path because then they go and find someone who will agree with their bias. So long-winded answer, but that's sort of how I see that, is that we actually have to get better at meeting people where they are, really understanding why they feel that way and where this learning has come from, and then slowly guide them in the right direction. Um, no, I, th- I think that was, a, that was a great response. And podcasts are all about long-winded answers, Peter, so this, <laughs> that was great. Um, so I guess... We were just talking about pain and I guess I wanted to contact you to talk about resilience as as a business owner now. I know that you're a coach to a lot of other actual uh, physios and business owners and uh, I just wanted to maybe like get your thoughts on what do you think has been a key to uh, businesses who've done well during this time, like as in business owners, like in their mindset versus those who uh, maybe have struggled furthermore in, in this sort of kind of like really turbulent time? Good question. Um, and we have seen, <coughs> sorry, we have seen a lot. We've seen a lot of people who, who really struggle mentally through this time, and and I can understand that though. Like it's been a hard time. It's like no one's saying it hasn't been shit, and there haven't been incredible hardships. And obviously, a lot of people have lost their lives. Uh, so there's there's a horrible sort of health consequence and economic consequence. But I heard a really good quote the other day, and it said, "How you perceive? Be careful how you perceive the world, because how you perceive the world is how it is." And the reason I love that so much is because we get to choose how we perceive the world. We get to choose how we perceive this COVID epidemic or pandemic to be, right? And I, I'm one person who chooses to perceive it as an obstacle that is a challenge, and I can turn that into something exciting because I get to now look for ways to overcome this. And, and for me, I find that genuinely. Like that, that excites me when I get up in the morning and I'm like, cool, I know what I'm working on, I know what I'm working towards, so I can definitely put all of my time and energy into it. And a lot of people have found it, it's really helped them focus, like really focus on the things that they want to focus on. But I, I think you've just got this choice. And I mean, say first 24 hours where you're like, shit, like losing your mind, and then you're like, you calm down, and cool, we've got a choice here. We can either choose to lay down and just say it's too hard, poor me, all our circumstance, all these circumstances against me. Or we can look at it and go, well, what are the opportunities here? Like, what can, what can we do right now? What can we focus on? And for us, it was looking at our five-year plan and going, we've got a five-year plan. We know where we want to be in five years. Cool, right? Now, there's some of that we can't do right now. Now, we, we've had a massive decrease in volume of people coming through the clinic, and so we understand that there's a lot more man, like there's a lot more time for all of our clinicians, okay? Ideally, we'd like them to be seeing clients and we've got more time ourselves. Well, what can we work on? We got a brand new website up, which was amazing. We've been working with an SEO guy writing three to 5,000 words a week, ranking higher and higher. Our organic uh, traffic went from sort of averaging 700 a month to averaging like 2,200 a month now since the start of the pandemic, or since just before the pandemic to now essentially. Right? And our, our business has grown as a whole because we've got a better website, 
it ranks heaps higher in SEO. That was one of the things we said, we're going to crush this, we're going to work on this. We also said, let's up our content game. We purchased all this amazing camera gear, learned to use it, learned to video edit, went through all of that and upped our social media game. And the amount of clients we're getting through social media is, is unreal too because we're able to better educate people, uh, improve our brands, not just shot on like a shaky phone anymore, you know. Uh, we're now shooting them on cameras, editing them, making them real nice, real professional. And it really just reflects our brand better. So when people look at what we do, they go, well, that must be a good look at this. Look at the stuff they put out every single day. It's very professional. So when we sort of looked at all those things, that was what we saw as the opportunities. We looked at the things that we controlled, and we just controlled the controllables. What was in our power, we took full control over. And what was outside of our control, we left. I, I, if someone came into my clinic and they had COVID, too bad, right? We closed down for a few days, whatever. Okay, I don't control that. But I control all these other things. I control my mindset and I control whether I'm just going to lay down or whether I'm actually going to put a lot of effort in and focus on the things that I can do. So that's probably the difference is, is the, the choice. Yeah, no, I love that. Especially as a business owner, it's, it's always about, you know, kind of differentiating between, yeah, those things that you can control, the things that you can't. And, you know, like, you're right. Everyone can have that one day where you, you know, or whatever yeah. long it is, you know, give yourself, take the time. Like, I definitely know I got drunk on Monday night, <laughs> felt sorry for myself. Um, but then, yeah. you know, you shake it off Tuesday and you keep going. Um, you know, and I, and I think, um, and I think that this is this whole situation. Um, yeah, like, I think it's just going to allow people who were resilient to just maybe have realized how much strength they have in that department. Um, you know, because if they can kind of, if they can overcome this, they can pretty much overcome most things, man. Yeah. I was going to ask, what have you seen in the different business owners and the people that in your community? Um, yeah, look, I think I think a lot of people. I'm really impressed at how well people were able to adapt, um, how adaptable people became. Um, you know, in different, just in different areas. You know, like uh, business owners that I know that own cafes who just kind of made it work with just takeaway. Um, you know, yeah. they had to obviously just change their business model a little bit, but just a lot. Of, I saw a lot of people. Uh, the, adapt the adaptability that business owners showed uh, really impressed me. Um, I also saw probably the opposite. I saw people who uh, maybe... I, I saw a lot of people who were probably struggling already, and I think this was probably the last kind of thing that uh, affected them. Um, I think that's probably what's probably happened a lot all around the world, um, especially economically with a lot of businesses. I think there were a lot of businesses that were that were struggling or weren't doing well, or maybe you had a business owner or, or a team that was under a lot of stress and this extra bit of stress that comes out of nowhere that you don't control, I think might've been the thing that buckled quite a few of them. Um, but, but more than anything, I, I found that, um, and I'll say the statement lightly because I don't, I don't want to offend anyone, but I find that if you're an entrepreneur, you probably really enjoy um, you enjoy challenges and you enjoy like, you know, maneuvering through like adversity and like, um, you know, like rules changing every two seconds is, so I don't know, like, I think if you're a true entrepreneur, you, you view this as a game to some extent and you kind of need to, cause so many shitty things happen as a business owner. Like you, if you're part of it, you learn to just, you find a way to, to make light of all those things happening, right? Like, like I, I always resort my conversations with how the, how my businesses go with, yeah, it's going good. Just as a general, like blanket statement, like you're not interested in knowing all the bad things. Like 
But I think that's just kind of what you have to do because you need to adopt a winning you need to adopt a winning mindset if you want to win if you want to win this race. Um, you know, whether it be through competition that arises in your area over time or whether it be through um, you know, lack of government support in different areas or, you know, a pandemic, like you need to adapt that winning mindset. I think I think in a lot of things in life and I don't think that's something for everyone, but I think if you are in business then um, I think that's all you're thinking about going into it. I think it's definitely something that you should be warned about. Like you're, you're in a competition with a lot of people who, who have winning mindsets and who are thriving at the opportunity to, to find challenges. Mm. Definitely. And I'd agree with that. Like I, like in a weird way, when there's a challenge and saying just to focus all your energy on, I, I feel happier personally. Cause I'm like, I just know exactly what I'm doing and what I have to overcome. And it, it's so simple. It's so easy. Uh, and there's a lot of people saying it's a once in a lifetime pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. But like every ten years, there's going to be some. There's going to be more shit that's crazy in business, right? There's going to be different trends that come up. If you're in fitness industry, there's new, new gyms that come out. The you, you saw CrossFit, then F45, then BodyFit. And there's going to be lots more things that are going to come up and be competition competitors. There'll probably be another global financial crisis in the next ten years or something like that. And we, we see these things happen constantly. So each time they're like, it's a once in a lifetime. Like maybe if you live to the age of like seven or eight, it'd be once in a lifetime. But for most of us, we're going to see many more of these in our business life and you've got to learn to enjoy it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, d- you definitely, maybe may, may not enjoy it, but you, you have to learn to find a strategy to, to get through it. And um, I think I think what you were saying before, Peter, about having that, um, that choice of focusing on the things that you can choose to control is definitely... Um, something that can be really helpful to a lot of people. Um, so the last question I'll leave you with is, um, uh, what's your? How will you guys go forward into the future with um, with all the different changes that have happened from this point forward? What are you excited for? What are you worried about? What? With all the like, I feel that there hasn't actually been that much change to be honest, and so I find that to be a hard question because I don't see anything really changing for us. There's there's likely going to be a period now of a little bit of turbulence where until we get a vaccine, we don't know. Maybe we go into another lockdown. Maybe we get another few cases and they're not sure where they come from. There's community transmission. They lock people down again. Um, and so I'm preparing for that until until we get a vaccine, until we're through this, we probably will see more lockdowns. Um, and as far as preparing for that goes, I think the best way we can prepare is to continue to focus on what we control and when things are open and things are going well, take full advantage of it. When things might close up, cool. What are the other things that we can be working on and focusing on? Because that's all we can do, I think. Uh, in many industries, going fully digital, going fully online and completely changing the business structure, it's probably not viable. And it's probably not the best way to do it. Uh, it's probably taking your focus away from the bigger picture of like, well, what's your bigger goal and what are the things you can be doing towards your bigger goal rather than trying to get online for the next two weeks. Uh, that's my personal view uh, on it. After trying to make that big pivot initially, um, it was a waste of time and it wasn't the most effective use of our time, energy and resources. Yeah. Oh, I think that's, that's a good thought on it. Um, do you... So I guess that kind of answers my last question, which was going to be, do you foresee things going more digital for you guys? In the next... 10, 15 years, yeah, absolutely. I think more digital is is something that might happen. Um, the caveat to that is that people just like personal interaction. Um, and I don't think being digital in healthcare is the best way to do it personally. 
because of that personal interaction, because of just being able to sit down with someone and be there and reassure them and put a hand on them and make them feel a little bit better in that moment there. So I would love if we could be a bit more digital. I would love if we could help people that didn't have great access to local healthcare, absolutely. Um, But I also do truly believe that if you have that option in healthcare of sitting down with someone face to face, that I, I honestly believe you're going to get a better result because that person is going to feel better. They're going to feel more safe, more secure. That's great, man. Um, all right. I think we'll leave it at that. That's 30 minutes. Uh, if people want to find you, Peter, where can they find you? They can find me at, uh, I've got Instagram. I don't know my Instagram handle. Uh, I'll put I'll put in the links. Uh, where, where can they find your clinic? Clinic, ah, uh, yes. Um, <laughs> 31 Smart Road, Modbury in Adelaide, and there's one 166 Grange Road <laughs> as well. All right, it's called PhysioFit for anyone who is interested. Ah, uh, yes. Adult <laughs> <Chester>. <laughs> um, thank you very much for your time, Peter. Um, we'll leave the recording there, crew. Uh, thank you for listening to the Better You Project. Uh, if you enjoyed today's show, please give it a nice review on iTunes. And yeah, keep tuning in because there's quite a few of these interviews lined up since the lockdown. All right, crew, peace. Thank you. And that was our interview today with Peter. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Hope you got something out of there. And uh, like I said before, if you'd like to follow uh, Peter and PhysioFit, you can do so at physio underscore fit underscore Adelaide. Go check them out. And yeah, crew, uh, make sure to listen up for the next podcast when that comes out. Peace. Peace.